Well, amen. I'm glad you guys are all here. Welcome. If you are new to Village Church, a special welcome to you. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here at the church. Good to have you here Christmas Eve. Uh, if you're sitting here right now uh, in church, then uh, something has happened. You at some point along the way, in the midst of this season, went to yourself. Um, man, Christmas might, must be about something deeper, something more than just the stuff we kind of run into on a day-to-day basis and the kinds of things that we do with Christmas, the kind of crazy, wacky things that we do with Christmas, like watch Candace Cameron Hallmark movies and eat weird things that we don't eat the rest of the year, like candied yams, and um, say sentences that we never would say any other time in our life, like put that Boys to Men CD back on, all right? We just, it's just a weird, crazy time, and for kids, it's even crazier. Because kids go bonkers at Christmas. Kids are excited. They lose their minds. They can't even think straight. Is that right, kids? Are you excited about tomorrow? Oh, my goodness. That was lame. Are you excited about tomorrow? Yes. This guy's jacked. Awesome. All right, listen, I don't know what you do with your kids. I got three kids, and so what we do, uh, we wake up early uh, Christmas morning, and of course we have a really big breakfast, and we don't usually make them eat breakfast on a normal day, but this day we make sure we do, and we do it really slow. Um, and then what I do is I break out the Bible, and I read, uh, I read the, God, the, the Christmas narrative from Luke, because that's the longer version. Um, and we just take our time, and then we flip over to Matthew and kind of unpack the genealogy a little bit. Because we need to know where we came from. Um, and, and so the kids at that point are going bonkers. And they're like, dude, let me at the tree. All right, so that's what tends to happen uh, this time of year. But you're here, which means at some point you went, man, there's something more to Christmas than the traditions and the family and the food. And the, there's something else. There's some other level. There's a soul level that needs to be dealt with. And that's really what this is about. That's why we're here. There's a soul thing. Angels showed up and appeared to shepherds in a field and announced that God was coming to earth. Now, you might be here, and you might have never been to church before. You got invited by a friend, your family member, whatever. Maybe you're of another religion, and you're just exploring Christianity. Awesome. We are glad that you are here. Sometimes what happens is, is we begin to feel a little bit like we're not worthy of coming to church or we're not worthy of talking about God. And that might be some of you. You're like, man, you don't know what I've done in my life. All right? I'm not one of these nice-looking kind of church people around. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the things I believe. You don't know the mistakes I've made. Let me tell you something. The shepherds, the shepherds were the worst of the worst kinds of people. The only way you got a job as a shepherd in that age is if you were probably an ex-con. All right? So I don't know how many of you are actually ex-cons. If you're here, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, But the reality is, is here's people on the lowest rung of society. They'd made mistakes. They were sin-ridden, just like you and I. And yet God comes to them, and he shows up, and he invites them to come and believe in him. All right, and here's the difference between religion and the gospel. Religion is going to tell you that you need to clean your life up first before God will invite you. Before God will love you, before God will save you, before God will come and make anything of you, you got to clean your life up and impress him. And once you obey, then God will say, okay, great, I love you now, you can do something. The Christmas story undercuts all of that and says, no, no, no. God came to shepherds and invited them to believe when they were still shepherds. When they were a mess, like you and me. Mistake-ridden, sinful. And so the gospel comes at us and it undercuts 
every way that we function. Every form of religion says you have to earn it. And there's a crushing weight that comes with that. I got to impress God. I got to do these things. Now, it's very interesting that our culture continues to function in a way where it actually gravitates toward religion. It gra- you listen to the radio, you watch TV. I, I didn't grow up in church at all. First time I came to church, I was 19 years old. The only reason I stayed is because there were hot girls singing at the front. So really, um, I was kind of that shepherd figure, and I'd grown up in this, in, in, in an unchurched setting, where I had begun to say, I don't really know uh, much about anything. And, and the reality was, I was completely off the wall, and God, by His grace, actually came and confronted me and invited me. All right, He invited me. Now, the reality was, as I grew up in that home, and I didn't really know anything about Christmas. I didn't know any, uh, what, what the point of the story was. And yet, there were things about Christmas that I did know. I knew that it was about God becoming a human being. I knew it was about that in the person of Jesus, God had become a human being. So many of you, no matter where you're sitting, no matter how many times you've been to church, no matter how much you've thought about this, you say, yeah, I know that. I don't live in the jungle. I know that Christianity is about God becoming human. And even if you were never told that, I mean, I grew up in an elementary school. I grew up in public school, and praise God, I can still read, even though I grew up in public school. Um, and, and I would do these plays every year where we would we would do plays, and I would be a shepherd, all right? And I would come, or I would be uh, an angel, and I would say, or I'd be a tree, and I'd, you know, whatever it was. And there was this, even in that context, I knew that the Christmas story was generally about God becoming human in the person of Jesus. That's not, I mean, you're holding, hey, you, know, you need to know the reason for the season. Listen, most of you probably aren't sitting here right now being blown away by that fact. You know that. There's a deeper level and a deeper question that we don't always know, even if you know that Christmas is about God becoming a human being. Here's the problem. You don't know why. Because we don't talk about it. What's the why? Yes, I get that he became a human being. I get that he came. But here's the bigger question. The deeper question is why? Why would this person, why would God, who made everything, ever come into our context and actually believe? Right in the middle of the story, it calls Jesus a title, a very important title, Savior. All right? Now, when when the angel calls Jesus Savior, here's what that means. That you can't save yourself and you need saving. This is where things get scandalous. All right? This is where for us, we're like, oh, I don't know if I like this message. Because what we grow up in is a kind of context that says, if you need saving, you can save yourself. Now, here's what I think. I think that you know that you need saving. And here's why I say that. You go to Indigo Books. You go to Chapters. You know what the most popular section of every bookstore in North America is? What is it? Self-help. You know why? Because we know that something is wrong with us. All right? We know that there's been a fracture. We know that. And so what we're doing is we're saying, let me try to help you. Let me try to solve it. And the way that I'm going to solve it is you need to go inside of yourself. You need to become a better you. You need to look inside of yourself. And the gospel comes along and goes, no. See, that's what I grew up on. Become a good person. And then and the gospel goes, no, no, no. You can't earn it. That's why I had to come as a baby and earn it for you. I had to come and do this because there was nothing you could do to actually earn this. You know that you're broken. You know that you're fractured. The problem is, is you look to self. The gospel, Christmas, comes along and goes, no, 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 hold on. You can't earn this. So that's why I had to come into this world. Now, how did he earn it? 
How did he earn it? Well, the baby doesn't stay a baby. The baby grows up, and the baby lives a perfect life, and the baby ends up having a tragic death on one of these, a cross. The baby grows up, goes to a cross because he offends religious people, and on the cross, the scriptures say, here's what actually happened on the cross. In that moment, he was absorbing the wrath of God and forgiving your sins for you because you cannot earn it. So he earned it for you. That's what was happening on the cross. He died for your sins, for you, instead of you, and because of you. He died for, this is where the Christmas story goes. It doesn't just remain a little baby. It moves him to a place where he earns salvation for you and dies in your place. Now, one of the, um, we've been doing a series here at Village called An Unlikely Tale, and we've been zoning in to kind of children's stories. And one of the children's writers that we love around here is a guy named C.S. Lewis, and he wrote one of the most famous Christmas stories called The Chronicles of Narnia. And in that he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And he, later in life, gave him li his life to Jesus, started to understand what the cross accomplished for him, and he explains it in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as Aslan, the Jesus figure, goes and dies for other people. And here's how Lewis explains it. Though the witch, this is Aslan speaking, knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. She would have known that if a willing victim, that's Jesus, who had committed no treachery, he was perfect, was killed in a traitor's place, then the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. Here's what it says. Jesus came and he absorbed it for you in your place, and at that moment, death itself started working backwards so that we can have eternal life in him. This is what the Christmas story is. So now the question begins, what do you do with that? What do you and I, as we sit here right now, do with that kind of information? What do we do with the idea that God came, not only came, but he actually died for us? The deeper reality. Why did he come? John 3 says he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. This is why the angel calls. He says, it's a savior. Years ago, a guy named Larry King, interviewer, CNN, was asked if you could interview one person all through history, who would that person be? Without even thinking, he said, Jesus of Nazareth would be the person I would want to interview. And they said, okay, you've only got one question for Jesus of Nazareth. What would it be? And he said, I would ask him simply this. Were you really born of a virgin? Because the answer to that question changes everything. Because if, that, if the answer is yes, then I need to give my life to him and praise him and worship him. That is the situation that we are all in right now, in this moment, as we sit here. What do you do with the reality and the confrontation and the scandal of Christmas? Where do we go with it? At some point in my life, I had to go, man, I'm 17, 18 years old. The, the, the reality of the cross overtook me, and I gave my life to Jesus. And here's what happens in this story. And here's where I think a bunch of people in this room need to move from. The shepherds move from amazement to faith. That's the movement. They go from, hey, I like mangers and virgin births and Christmas trees and, and food, and, and I'm moving from amazement at this. I mean, picture what happened. They're sitting around at night watching their sheep, and angels just light up the sky and say, you need to go. There's a virgin. She got a baby. You go see it. And then whoosh, it goes dark again. And they're all like, we should listen. So they go. Now, um, picture this. 
These are the ex-cons. They show up at the door. This is what Christmas Eve is. Moms, moms, you're sitting at home. It's your first baby. You're 15 years old. It's your first night. All right, and a bunch of ex-cons show up at the door. and God told us to come here and, and, and talk to your baby. You're not going with that. This, this story is upside down. This story is backwards. This story is scandalous. This story is putting you in a position where you got to do something about it. you got to do something about it. And so, there's this reality where you're called to repent and to believe. To turn from sin and to believe not in yourself, but in what Jesus did for you. And then the Bible says you will be saved. He gives you eternal life. That's where this whole story is going. And we want you, if this is the first time where maybe you're being confronted with that and challenged with that, to pray and to give your life to Jesus as we worship, as we respond. And then let us know. Fill out a connect card, put it at the connect desk. Let us know so we can pray for you. Now, some people in this room push against all of this and say, this is all nonsense. Um, this is, I'm skeptical of all of this. Don't you know we just need to grow up? Don't you know we're beyond all of these myths and these stories and these fairy tales? We just need to kind of grow up. And C.S. Lewis uh, came to a point in his life where he said, you know what? I don't think our problem is that we need to grow up. I think growing up has actually clouded us. Because you know what the clarity is? The clarity is the simplicity of a kid. Look at, this is why Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. Look at the kids around you, all right? They don't care what I'm saying. They're in their own zone, all right? Right now they would yell out, you're boring, shut up, all right? Why? Because they're just pure, man. They're pure. They have awe, and they have faith, and they're pure. They ha they're not clouded. And Lewis said, what clouds you is your maturity, and your movement needs to be back toward them. Those little ones holding the candles, your heart and your mind needs to move toward them. And this is why he dedicated the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to his goddaughter, Lucy. And I'll leave you with this. The dedication of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe reads like this. My dear Lucy, I wrote this story for you. But when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As a result, you are already too old for fairy tales. And by the time it is printed and bound, you will be older still. But, listen, someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. Someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. And you can then take it down from some upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. Here's what he's saying. You've grown and you've lost your way and you need to come back and be awed and put your faith in this child, not in his baby years, in his his 30s, when he died for you, and you trust to it instead of trusting to yourself. Father in heaven, we pray that we are able to celebrate. We pray that we are able to, with courage, respond to the great Christmas story and where it goes to the cross of Calvary by responding with faith, with moving from awe and interest in everything this season is about to actual faith and belief, saving faith in Jesus and everything he accomplished for us. That we would enjoy this season with our family and we would focus it in on you, Jesus. Not only that you came, not only this, what one writer called a grand miracle for history, but this would be a grand miracle for us, for every heart in here that they would apply it to themselves and be changed by it some even on the spot right now and they'd give themselves to it and then we would sing and respond in joy 
In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand together as we sing and respond to this good, great news.